0: Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. Chapter 31. Krista. The ceiling of the large room opened, and a black wrought-iron cage began to descend. It moved slow enough for Dorothy to imagine a myriad of different outcomes, none of them pleasant. What was she thinking? She was not a killer. Her misguided confidence had led her here. And now... She could very well be about to meet her demise. She watched as the cage settled on the floor with a loud, booming thump. The door slowly creaked open, and Krista stepped out. She was almost exactly as Dorothy had imagined her to be. She looked like every fairy tale witch she had ever seen in the movies, or seen pictures of in storybooks from her childhood. She was short, with a hunched back, Patches of long white hair sprouted from random spots on her otherwise bald, wart-covered head. Her eyes were the size of marbles and jet black and set so far into her head they were difficult to see. She had a long nose that came to a sharp point and curled down to where it almost touched her bottom lip. Wrinkles covered her face, and where there were no wrinkles, more large, hairy warts. The only thing contrary to her preconceived notions of a wicked witch was her outfit. Krista wore a white gown, burn marks here and there, with grimy patches and splatters all over. She slowly stepped out of the cage and approached her visitor placing a wrinkled hand with long, curling nails to Dorothy's face as though she was blind and unable to see. She ran that same hand down until she made it to Dorothy's hand, in which she could feel with her bony fingers the ring. You were sent by the wizard, she said sternly, her blank eyes meeting Dorothy's vibrant emerald greens. I know why you are here, and I won't stop you from doing what you are here to do. All I ask is that you lend an old crone an ear. Dorothy did not know what to say. After all, What do you say when the person you are supposed to kill already knows you are supposed to kill her? And what do you say when said person gives you the green light? Krista, still holding Dorothy's hand, gave it a slight tug as she turned and began walking back to the cage. Dorothy stayed right where she was. She was unsure if she should trust this woman. Unsure if she could trust this woman. After all, the last person to take her in turned out to be a murderous madman. Sure, Krista seemed harmless enough, old and frail, but the witches and stories always seemed old and frail. Yet somehow, they always managed to put up more of a fight than expected. "'It's okay, my pretty,' "'If I were going to do something, "'I would have done it by now,' "'said Krista with a very elderly smile "'and motioned with her head to follow. "'Dorothy reluctantly did just that. "'The chains rattled and clanked, "'and a loud snapping noise was heard "'when the slack in them disappeared. "'The cage was now ascending, the munchkins below getting smaller and smaller. It swayed back and forth as it rose higher into the tower. Dorothy involuntarily gripped Krista's hand with one of her own and firmly held the cage with the other. You get used to it, Krista said, without so much as a sideways glance at Dorothy. The swaying... Not that you will have to. Once the cage was at its highest, the floor beneath them closed, creating an impenetrable barrier to the lower level of the tower. This new area was not open like below. Instead, the top half of the tower was comprised of a labyrinth of narrow corridors, dimly lit by torches on the walls and lined with prison cell doors. Shit, thought Dorothy. This looked a little too familiar. Images of Reginald's second floor ran through her head. Some cells had munchkins, others wild animals, and a few here and there were empty as far as Dorothy could tell. This area was ominous and caused her to second-guess her decision to trust this witch. Her heart began to race as Krista led her by the hand through the maze of sharp left and right turns at perfect 90-degree angles. There was a heavy silence between the two of them, and the sounds of their footsteps echoed throughout the corridors. Krista broke the silence with a story of her own tenuous relationship with the wizard. He tricked me, you know. Into coming here? He said he needed... Me to get the last of the emerald stones. Said I was the only one that could do it. Promised me a land to rule over in return. Said it would be my very own empire. It all sounded good until the colors disappeared. And I realized there was nothing left but a desert wasteland to rule over. The worst of it was finding out that there was no escape. I was trapped. Dorothy opened her mouth to reply, but Krista went on. I still remember that day. The day he came to visit, after the colors disappeared. It's only temporary, he said. Well, I have been here for 98 years. Eight months. Two weeks. Twenty hours. Fifty-eight minutes. And five seconds, and counting, the word temporary loses all meaning after the first year. Krista grew silent for a minute. Dorothy waited to make sure it was safe for her to respond. It was not, and Krista continued, Even hexed me. The bastard... Not only am I stuck here, but I can't even die. Well, not by my own hands, that is. She held her empty hand out and showed Dorothy the fat, fleshy scars from repeated suicide attempts. She then pointed at her neck with similar marks. Hurts like a fucking bitch, carving into yourself. After a while, he must have decided to help me accomplish my goal. He sends people from time to time to do what he can't or won't. No one ever makes it, though. Can't get over the threshold and into the desert, let alone to the tower. They try. Oh, they try. Always end up being disemboweled by the man-wolves or, or torn apart by the crows. Or simply turn around once they realize the desert is always just out of reach. Until you showed up, that is. I guess I'm just lucky, said Dorothy, growing more uneasy with each step. Yes. Lucky. (laughs) <laughs> you know, all this talk, all this thinking, all this, she motioned with her free hand, fanning back and forth between herself and Dorothy. It gives me comfort. A sense of closure, even. Relief. And it makes me realize something. Dorothy swallowed. What's that? She asked hesitantly and quietly. That I have no interest in dying after all. She clenched Dorothy's hand so tightly it almost broke bones. She swung her through an open cell door with such strength it caused her to hit her head on the back wall which actually caused her to black out for a few seconds and draw a small trickle of blood from where the flesh had split open ever so slightly. When she came to, she saw Krista slam the cell door closed with a loud clang and watched in shock and horror as her hostess became her captor. Krista turned and disappeared into the maze, cackling maniacally. What the fuck am I supposed to do now? And just then, her fear of being left alone in a cell for all eternity vanished with the sound of a low growl. She scooted herself back tightly against the wall. It had not occurred to her that she might not be alone, that she might have a cellmate. She stared on into the darkness as a large paw emerged with a quiet thump, and then another thump. Before she knew it, she was face to face, eye to eye, with the lion. It was so close to her, in fact, that she could feel his hot breath on her face as she peered into its black eyes. It was skeletal. "'obviously malnourished. "'And Dorothy would most certainly make a good snack for a hungry lion. "'It snorted as it collapsed under its own weight, "'sending up a small cloud of dust with it. "'Dorothy looked down at him with sympathy and even a small amount of pity. "'This beast was clearly no longer something to be feared.' She reached into her backpack that Krista either did not notice or care about and pulled out some sort of dried meat from emerald, along with a large apple, and set them at the lion's mouth. He ate the small bit of food slowly and retreated into the darkness. Dorothy lived in the cell with the lion for twenty-nine and a half years. Days. Every day a munchkin entered the cell with a bucket of water and a plate of gruel that smelled worse than it tasted. And every day it opened a tongueless mouth, pointed to the bucket, and pantomimed splashing it on his face. Dorothy thought this was strange at first, but eventually it became so normal that she almost looked forward to the brief moment of dinner theatre every day. At first, she gave the gruel to the lion, and shared her food from her backpack, and they both drank the foul water. This lasted for about fifteen days before the carefully rationed food supply, courtesy of the green city of Emerald, ran out, and Dorothy was reduced to eating the slop with the lion. On the third day, Krista reappeared at the cell door, accompanied by two very large, very naked, monkey-like men. They were obviously men, and not in the same sense that Lothor or the Woodman were obviously men. They were covered in hair from head to toe, and they were once again, as previously mentioned, very large, in more than one respect. In her hand, Krista held a muzzle and a harness. She walked over to the lion as the primates stood at the door, looking at Dorothy with eager eyes. The lion snapped and pawed at Krista, causing her to jump back and run out of the cell, closing the door tightly behind her. You will be broken, she screamed. You will... Wear this harness and bow to me. You cannot keep this up forever. She huffed, and without even acknowledging Dorothy's existence, turned and left with the strange men close behind her. Dorothy watched them cautiously as they walked away. They had large, scabbed-over lumps on their shoulder blades, oozing with pus and shit clung to the hair on their asses. Could do without seeing those things again, she muttered in disgust. The tenth day was similar to the third one. Krista once again showed up with her servants and muzzle and harness in hand. Once again, the recuperating lion scared her off and out of the cell. Ah, How long must I starve you? You will bow to me. I promise you, I will break you. And she was gone once again. Apes close behind. This continued off and on for the next nineteen days. Day thirty was different. Krista appeared, still accompanied by her henchmen, but this time without the harness. Instead, her right hand held a large blade. One edge serrated with sharp, pointed teeth that curved inward toward the handle. The other edge honed like a sword. The tip came to a point so sharp Dorothy could almost feel it cutting her from outside the cell door. She swallowed with fear and began to breathe heavily as her heart began to race. Krista opened the door and walked in. I know what's going on here. (laughs) I'll admit it took me a while to figure it out and that is on me she held the blade up and looked at it admiringly as she looked at it her sleeve fell down a couple inches dorothy noticed a red band adorning her wrist no no it's it's not what you it's not what you think i i swear it's it's not dorothy stammered shit she thought to herself She was beginning to think this was just a stupid witch. To think that she would never figure it out. That she had been feeding the lion. Save it, little girl. I know now. That you, she said as she pointed the knife at Dorothy, are my replacement. Wait, what? Jesus Christ. Not only was this a stupid witch after all, but she was batshit crazy as well. You were clearly sent here to free me of this wretched desert, Krista continued, shifting her cold gaze from the knife to Dorothy. He really did mean temporary after all, didn't he? He just had to wait for that ring to show up. And you. (laughs) You were naive enough to deliver it to me. Krista was either insane, as Dorothy had originally expected, or she was more sane and more right than she wanted to admit. Did the wizard really offer her as a sacrifice to save this vile woman? She was speechless. The apes walked past Krista and trudged over to Dorothy, grins stretching across their faces as they looked at her. They knocked her to the ground and pinned her down, one straddling her stomach, the other positioning himself by her head in a way that served two purposes— He held her arms down with ease, purpose one. He smiled as he occasionally brushed against her face with even the slightest struggle from her, purpose two. Krista approached, first looking at Dorothy, then at her hand, then at her finger. This will hurt you far more than it hurts me. It is important that you know that. She placed the serrated edge to Dorothy's finger and began to press down. Dorothy screamed in pain as the points of the serration pressed into her flesh without breaking it. Her finger felt ice-cold as she watched the teeth furiously moving back and forth, back and forth, harder and harder, faster and faster— But never cutting through. Krista jumped up out of frustration. (sighs) (sighs) She breathed heavily. This is not how this is supposed to go. She looked back down at the knife before retraining her eyes on Dorothy's hand. It's okay. It's okay. I have time. I guess it just needs to be sharper. I will see you again tomorrow. The ape positioned at her head moved forward a little, and the one on her stomach let his hands wander. Dorothy immediately screamed and started kicking violently. In the struggle, she kicked the bucket of water into the air, splashing Krista in the face as she turned around to see what all the commotion was about. Krista screamed as she held her face in her hands. It was a scream so loud, so shrill, that it made Mr.'s battle cry sound like a gentle whisper. The walls shook and even crumbled a little at the sound. Dorothy Deafened and disoriented by the screech, held her hands to her ringing ears as the apes jumped off of her. All eyes were on Krista now, but no one in the cell dared approach her. Ears still ringing, but coming back to her senses, Dorothy scrambled to get the knife. Using the back wall for balance and support, she quickly got back to her feet. Pointing the blade at the apes, She was careful to keep her eyes on Krista. She was wailing and holding her face as a thin, white, foul-smelling smoke rose between the spaces in her fingers. Tension filled the small cell as everyone worried what everyone else was going to do. Just as it became too much to handle, the lion leaped from the shadows and forced Krista to the grimy cell floor. He placed his jaws firmly around her throat as she wheezed and cried in pain. Dorothy stepped closer. Knife still pointed at the apes and watched in horror as Krista's face bubbled and boiled. Water. Really? She could not believe it was something so simple. What the hell kind of pussy weakness is that? Krista sputtered and spurted, gasping for air, as her face burned as though acid had just been thrown in it. I was beginning to think no one was ever going to figure it out. Dorothy gave a commanding look at the apes, a look that said, move, I dare you, before kneeling down and getting a better look at Krista's melting face. Looks like we have ourselves a bit of a problem, Krista, she said. You? are not a killer. You do not know me. You do not know what I have been through. And most importantly, you do not know what I would do to get back home Dorothy placed the tip of the knife to Krista's temple. But you are right about one thing. She applied pressure to the blade, breaking the skin and causing a trickle of dark crimson blood to flow. She moved her head closer to Krista and looked her in her beady little eyes. I am not a killer. She looked up at the lion and gave a small nod. Krista's eyes bulged, and with one final desperate gasp, she cried out, "No!" As the lion clamped his jaws shut with a loud crunch as her larynx was crushed beneath his mighty teeth. Dorothy stood up, and the lion let go. Everyone in the cell watched in disgust as Krista began to melt. Beads of sweat popped from every pore in her body as it began to violently thrash around the floor. She began to dissolve into a mess of flesh and bone as the rotten stench of decay filled the cell. Dorothy tried to fight it, but the urge to vomit was far too much. She turned away from the body and clenched the knife as she began heaving uncontrollably, losing nothing more than a little bit of stomach acid and gruel. She turned back around and looked at the steaming, lumpy mess of violent reds and greens left on the cell floor. She steadied herself and stepped over it, careful not to touch, and walked out of the cell. Looking at the lion... She motioned for him to follow, and without hesitation, he obeyed. She looked at the monkeys, who were now gathered around the mess, examining it with morbid curiosity. She looked back at the lion. I don't think they'll bother us anymore. Dorothy and the lion descended upon the masses of naked and afraid munchkins the chains of the cage rattling as it lowered. Dorothy, no longer phased by the swaying. It hit the ground with a loud boom, echoing through the tower. Dorothy and the lion stepped out, unsure of what was going to happen next. The slaves, unsure of what was going to happen next. Krista the Wicked is dead, Dorothy screamed holding the knife above her head. And the crowd cheered loudly, those that could. If you have a problem with me, you have a problem with this beast. She looked over at the lion as he straightened up and let out a loud roar to even more cheers from the crowd. They moved through the crowd as the munchkin separated like the Red Sea, making room for their saviors as they made their exit of the black tower. Dorothy and her new companion were greeted outside by the two monkeys. They stared at Dorothy, and Dorothy stared back at them, watching as they both knelt before her. One of them raised his hands, holding up a silver band. Dorothy cautiously accepted, taking it from him and closely examining it. It was silver, like the ring, and was intricately engraved with beautifully articulate fine lines curving all around, and it was embedded with small, clear stones. She placed it on her left wrist, and it began to tighten. It hurt like a bitch, a fact that no matter how hard she tried, she could not keep hidden. It felt like a thousand pins and needles pricking her wrist all around, like razor wire tightening to the point that it was cutting to the bone. The pain radiated from her hand as it turned a dark, unforgiving purple. The stones, much like the one in the ring, filled with red as it bound itself to her. She clenched her fist tightly as tightly as she could with no circulation, and closed her eyes. She fell to her knees as she cried and screamed uncontrollably. She made short, rapid breaths in a weak attempt to overcome the unbearable agony. Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. The pain stopped as suddenly as it started, and she opened her eyes. And nothing. She was expecting some grand spectacle, fire and brimstone, earthquakes and storms. But nothing was different. The desert was still a desert, and aside from the incredibly sore wrist, she did not feel any different. She looked down at the apes, still kneeling before her. Well, this is awkward, she said. These two apes would have raped her given the chance, and if Krista were still alive, probably would be given the chance. Now, they were kneeling before her, cowering. She placed her left hand to the first one's head and gently patted him. It's over now, she said as she reached over to the other one and made the same gesture of patting him on the head as well. You're as free as I am now. She stepped forward and raised Krista's blade and held it to the throat of one of the witch's former servants. But do not... Underestimate me. They stood up and looked at her, giving her a look as if to say, We understand. Large ravens' wings burst from their backs with loud cracking and popping sounds. Black feathers rained down around them, floating and falling to the arid desert floor. And they turned around and leaped into the air, wings flapping and lifting them before their feet could touch the ground again. Within a minute, they had disappeared into the distance. Dorothy looked at the lion. Let's get out of here. As Dorothy and the lion came within sight of the line of color, Dorothy noticed Mr. was no longer there. Panic set in as she ran ahead crossing the threshold. Mister! She screamed. Mister! She fell to her knees and looked at the lion standing at the line, looking at Dorothy. Oh. No. He said he would wait. He said he would be here. Right here. He should be here. "'He's supposed to be here,' she began to cry. "'Something happened. "'Something must have happened. "'He wouldn't leave. "'I know... "'I know he wouldn't. "'He had nowhere else to go. "'He had no one else to be with. "'I was it. "'I... "'I was all he had left. "'And I left.' I left. Oh, I fucking left. I fucking left. She gathered her thoughts and stood up. She looked at the lion who was looking at her longingly as he stood at the edge of the gray desert. She walked over to him. Reaching her left hand through to the grays, she stroked his mane. A temporary wave of color washed over him, "'trailing behind her hand. "'He slowly and cautiously stepped into the world he was once a part of, "'leaving the colorless desert behind, "'but still colorless himself. "'I guess that's what this thing does, huh?' "'said Dorothy, looking down at the band. "'Krista must have realized the power she had. "'Not only the power to exile, but the power to free.' free anyone but herself, that is. Dorothy gave it some thought. She must have been planning on freeing you and attempting to ride you out. She petted the lion once more, the color once again briefly returning where her hand was. Come on. We have a scarecrow to find.